Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God the Father and from the Word made flesh for you, our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, although the church's celebration of Christmas doesn't technically begin until Christmas Eve and continues through the season of Epiphany, it's hard to deny that now we are on the other side of Christmas. Our Christmas services, after all, have concluded. The special music that we often hear around this time has been played. The gifts at our houses have been opened. Some of our decorations at church and in our homes will be coming down soon. In fact, the way that the calendar fell this year, not only are we on the other side of Christmas, but we are also now on the other side of a new year. And so emotionally, we might be in a little bit of a funny place. There's often a a letdown after Christmas, a, a mix of relief and exhaustion and joy and maybe even a little regret or sorrow. We're not back yet into the normal routine of life. That more so, I would say, begins next week, but we are close. And so today, this first Sunday after Christmas, which is also the first Sunday of a new year, is a unique opportunity for us here at Christ our King. It's an opportunity as we move further from Christmas to not move aimlessly, but to move with purpose. Today we focus on our gospel reading from Matthew chapter 2. And if you think about it, it's an appropriate bookend around Christmas. The Sunday before Christmas, we heard from Matthew's gospel as well, from Matthew chapter 1, and that was about Joseph's perspective on the birth of Jesus. It wasn't the glory and the fanfare that we usually get from Luke's gospel. It was the earthly reality of the holy family and the difficulties that they faced along the way. So now as the first Sunday after Christmas comes, the Gospel of Matthew once again invites us to continue walking with Matthew and Mary and now Jesus on the other side. So what's on the other side? Well, today it's a twofold answer. First, on the other side of Christmas, we find more difficult earthly realities. We find senseless suffering. But second, despite those realities, we also find God's unstoppable salvation story. And so we'll spend time considering both of those today. The senseless suffering in our gospel reading today comes at the hand of King Herod. At our Epiphany service this Saturday, we'll have a chance to hear more about Herod and the visit of the Magi, who sparked in his mind a paranoia about a rival king. And so the Magi are the ones Matthew is referring to at the very beginning of our gospel reading today when he writes, now when they had departed, they just left. Those Magi were redirected by God and and, and didn't return to Herod as Herod wanted. And so he realized he had been tricked by them and his plans to kill Jesus were foiled. So in his anger, Herod ordered his soldiers to find and kill then all the male children in Bethlehem and the surrounding region who were two years old and under. And why two years? Well, because Herod had previously asked the Magi when the star had appeared that announced the birth of the king of the Jews. We don't know how many boys actually died that day. Some realistic estimates put it at around 20 or 30 or so, as Bethlehem really was a little town. 
but even one life would have been too many. The church in its history has traditionally called these boys the Holy Innocents, and the commemoration of the Holy Innocents takes place on December 28th every year. We also hear about them today, this first Sunday after Christmas. Others call them the first martyrs for the faith. And and while they aren't martyrs in the sense that they died for their public confession of Jesus, like a Stephen or a Paul, they still did die on account of Jesus. And either way, they suffered senselessly, as did their grieving families. Their suffering is a fulfillment of a long-standing suffering that Matthew takes careful note of in his gospel. It goes all the way back into the Old Testament, back to Genesis chapter 35, when Rachel, Jacob's wife, who had already borne a son, a son named Joseph, died in childbirth, Rachel did, with her second son. But before she died, Rachel wanted to name the son Ben-Oni, which means son of my troubles. But Jacob said, no, he shall be named Benjamin, which means son of my right hand. So Jacob's beloved wife, Rachel, was buried at Ramah, which is along the road leading to Bethlehem. And her difficulties during during childbirth, her suffering and her weeping were remembered by God's people for generations to come. So much so that years later, the prophet Jeremiah was given a word from God that said, A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping and loud lamentation, Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be comforted because they are no more. Jeremiah was prophesying that the people of the tribe of Benjamin as well as Judah and the whole southern kingdom of Israel, would be swept away in God's righteous judgment on the day they were taken to Babylon in exile. But that wasn't the end of this sad saga. Rachel's weeping had a third and final fulfillment right there in the same geographic region of Bethlehem when these young boys, these holy innocents, lost their lives at the hand of Herod. And were no more. This time not on account of the sins of the people of Israel, but on account of the Christ child for whom they had lost their lives. And from our earthly perspective, their suffering and their death, it seems so senseless. Now, this probably isn't the most popular thing to preach on the Sunday after Christmas. In fact, except in churches following the lectionary readings like the Lutheran Church does, I would venture to guess that there aren't any pastors or any churches this Sunday following this text today. However, we aren't in church so that we can coddle Christmas feel-good feelings. We are here, in part, to realize that we still live in a world that unfortunately is familiar with senseless sufferings. And that suffering can come in many different forms. Just recently, for instance, there were countless deaths and suffering that occurred during the the severe weather that our country experienced the week before Christmas. Not to mention all the natural deaths and, and ends of life that occur just every day. There's still all the violence in the world in in Ukraine and the Middle East and in our own country as well, in our cities and towns and communities. 
There are a number of children who still suffer violence in, in families on account of neglect or abuse, or who suffer violence even before they are born. You see, as we tread on this other side of Christmas, on the other side of a new year, we find that we are still no stranger to suffering. We still live in a world that is suffering the consequences of sin, our sin, which is death, and all of death's ripple effects in this world. And so to that extent, Rachel is still weeping. She weeps for her children and for the children of God, including you and me. I mentioned earlier that we aren't here to coddle good feelings. And while we can and we should sing joyous Christmas hymns as we have already today, there is also perhaps place for a sober one. A carol that you've likely heard before, which was named for the town in which it was first performed, which is Coventry, England. The Coventry Carol, which you may or may not have realized, is all about the holy innocence of Bethlehem. It's a lullaby sung to both Jesus and the children who were about to lose their lives by King Herod. So I'd like us to sing together just a little part of this carol, the refrain and and then one verse and then the refrain again. And, And so the words are going to be up on the screen. In fact, if we could pull up the first words there, just so you know that the words are pronounced like this, Luli, Lula, thou little tiny child, bye bye Luli, Lulay. So let's first listen to the, the tune which will be played for us once through, and then we'll sing this together. Bethlehem talking to each other, addressing each other as sisters. And we aren't singing all the carol today, but the next verse goes like this. Herod the king, in his raging, charged he hath this day, his men of might in his own sight, all children young to slay. Again, it's a sad reminder that on the other side of Christmas, for the women of Bethlehem and also for us today, that we still experience senseless suffering in this world. 
But friends, that is not all we experience. And that's not all that we find on this side of Christmas, this side of a new year either. Like I said earlier, even in the midst of the tragedy of life, even in the midst of a sinful and violent world, we also find God's unstoppable plan of salvation. We, we heard it taking place in our gospel reading today. That no matter how hard Herod tried, how even in his raging, God would not let the Christ child suffer. At least not yet, because it wasn't his time to suffer. With a series of angelic visitors, God led Joseph to protect the Christ child from these threats of violence. First with their escape into Egypt, and then when the time came, God called his son out of Egypt, just as he had the Israelites in the Old Testament. And he led Joseph and Mary back to Israel, to Nazareth, to avoid any harm that could come from Herod's son now, who was ruling Archelaus. God's plan for Jesus and for his life here on earth was not subject to human powers and rulers and authorities or plans. God's plan for Jesus, God's plan for us, was unstoppable. And it would happen exactly the way God intended it to. And the same is true today. The effects of sin and death remain strong for us. The reasons we lament are still present. The weeping we have to endure, it, it never gets easier. 2023 will be just like 2022 in that regard. But the God who delivered his children from slavery in Egypt and the God who delivered his children from exile in Babylon is the same God who delivered his son from the plans of Herod and the same God who delivered his son from death itself through a victorious resurrection. He is the same God who delivers us from sin and death today. God spared Jesus when he was young because that was part of his unstoppable plan of salvation. But God wasn't sparing Jesus forever. No, Jesus was spared so that one day he could suffer for us at the cross, so that he could die for us, so that he could rise again for us. God's plan for us in Jesus was unstoppable because he was doing it all for us so that we could be saved from our sins, forgiven by the blood of Jesus shed for us and given the hope of an eternal life with him, full of joy and peace. You see, God has always given his people this persistent hope. Not hope as in the world thinks about hope, like I hope this happens. No, it's a certain hope based on all that God has done and all that God promises he will do because he has proven it time and time again. God's plan of salvation in this world and in our lives is unstoppable. And we know that at the end, he will be the victorious one. And if God is victorious, then so is that for which we hope. You know, the Coventry Carol, for as solemn of a song as it is, it isn't only meant to be sad. If you listen carefully to the, the, to the music, it actually points us forward to this hope that we have as Christians. 
The music is written in a minor key, which means it has a somber tone to it. You probably heard that as we were singing. And that reflects, of course, the, the seriousness of the subject matter. But, but did you notice that the very last note at, at each refrain and verse? Lori, if I could ask you to, to play that refrain just one more time. And so I'd like you to listen to the very last note in this minor key song. musical terms, that's called a Picardy third. It's a sudden blast of a major key chord at the end of a minor key song, and it changes the tone of the carol abruptly from being somber to hopeful. And that's intentional. It reminds us that even in the midst of our lamenting, that we have hope in Jesus. That God's plan of salvation for us, for those children of Bethlehem, and for the entire world is, at the end, full of hope. Hope that is unstoppable because of Jesus. So as we walk this other side of Christmas, as we walk with Jesus into this new year, which will inevitably be full of ups and downs just as every year is, Let us always remember the certain hope that we have been given. Let us remember God's unstoppable salvation story, a story that includes both you and me and our eternal lives with him. In Jesus' name, amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.